open to Psalm 16, and you might find the outline in the bulletin helpful. Now, we had a great time celebrating Christmas this year. Those of you who were here for the service, uh, you know that this year we did something different. We, instead of just coming together and, you know, ourselves enjoying each other's company, we wanted to, in the spirit of Christmas, go out to the poorer people in our neighborhood and, and just as we did. And so a few of us went out and the rest of us who were here stayed behind to pray for the whole thing. And, and what an encouraging day the Lord gave us. I mean, so there were a few teams that went out and um, almost every team, I, I, I think, uh, at least every team had one good conversation. It's not like the lady that uh, you know my family was speaking to. First door that we knocked on, we stood there for like 20, 25 minutes. And she was just pouring out her heart, you know, some of the hardships that she's gone through. And, and, and you can just see there an opening. The Lord has given us that, yes, yes, we can come back with, you know, a subsequent time, maybe to follow up in some way. And, you know, where this will lead, only the Lord knows. But we, it was a great time doing that. What a great end to the year. Some other people, they were actually invited into the homes. And, uh, I mean, just, just, just imagine that. I mean, all these people who, um, in a sense, the Lord has put it on their hearts to, to want contact with Christians, to want to find out more. And all it took was for some weak ones of us, depending on God, going out there in faith and saying, yeah, here we are. Lord, do with us as you will. And, and we see that happening. Uh, you know, praise be to him. And one of the things that uh, has come up is, you know, there are a lot of young kids and they want to play soccer, right? So uh, the next thing that we're going to be doing will be organizing soccer for uh, the kids. And so, I mean, isn't this great? It's a ministry where young and not so young and uh, really not so young can be a part of uh, as we reach out to uh, the poorer neighbors amongst us. So that's happening next year. Um, of course, next year is coming. And so I've chosen a psalm, which I hope will help us reflect on the year that has gone past and to help us you know, prepare for the year that's ahead. Psalm 16. Let's ask God to help us. Father, help us to realize that we have not come to hear a man speak, but help us truly from our heart's desire to hear you speak. As the psalmist says, his eyes are always on you. So Father, help us now to turn our eyes to you. Away from each other, away from ourselves, help us to look to you, to look to you because we want to hear you speak. We want to have you work in us. We need you to work in us. So Father, I pray, would you please have mercy and be gracious to each one of us here. That all of us, in one way or another, we will be gripped by your word as you speak to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you look at the first verse, it says, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. Now this, this first verse uh, sets the platform sets the foundation for the rest of the psalm because I think that the whole psalm is all about how, what it means to go to God, for Him to keep us safe, for Him to, to, to be our refuge. Now, 
when I was in Australia, we were house sitting for a church friend, little flat, but she had two two cats. And I remember Sharona, I think then she was like four years old or something, okay? She was sitting at the table, and then one of the cats jumped up at the table. And then in fright, she ran to look for me and ran behind me, okay? In effect, she was going, Keep me safe, oh dad, for in you I take refuge. Okay, so that's what she was doing. But but because I'm physical, you know, she can physically run behind me. But how do we do that with God? Right? How, how, do, how do we run to God and ask Him to keep us safe? How do we take refuge in Him? What does it mean to trust in the Lord? So the, the rest of the psalm helps us, right, uh, uh, flesh it out, expand, explain what it means to trust in the Lord. And so you see the first point, it says, trusting in no other good but God. So in verse 2, he says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. So David is saying, you know, all, all my good comes from you. Okay, no, in fact, he's saying more. He's not just saying, all the good things I have come from you, right? You realize he's going further than that. He's actually saying, I have no good apart from you. You, God, are my only good. So trusting in God is this recognition, right? That, that, that God alone is this good. God alone is my only good. Now again, another memory from Australia when we were house sitting. This time, uh, a bigger house with a backyard, everything. And uh Prior to that, I had gone past a bookshop and I saw a dinosaur skull uh, on sale for $2. I mean, it's just a toy, uh, but it was just $2. And so at the time, Elliot was like six years old or something, and he was really into dinosaurs. Okay, so it was a T-Rex skull, so I bought it. You know, I was thinking of a way to give it to him. And then when we were house-sitting, you know, great dad that I am, had an inspiration. Okay, this is few and far between, but I had inspiration. So... Maria and I, we, we prepared this treasure map, okay, that would lead from our play, you know, from the park and you know, all the way back to our house. And then, you know, you would take 12 steps and then I buried the T-Rex skull in the backyard, okay? Then the next morning I said to Elliot, hey, you know, my friend told me that there's a treasure map in the playground. You know, shall we go and see whether it's there? Then, wow, so we got ready, wow, jackets, you know, got a cap, got a water bottle, you know, got the digging things. And so we went, 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 went to the playground and I said, okay, Elliot, you, you start digging there. Then when he was looking there, I hit the map here. Then anything? He said, no. Okay, you come look here, I'll look here. Then he was looking, then he, that, that really is something. Wow, they were so excited. We opened it up and then, you know, we, we burned some of the edges to make it re- look really old. <coughs> And then, okay, okay, it starts from here. Okay, now where is this spot? So we went from the landmark, walking up the hill, down, and we were looking. Okay, is it here? And finally, it went back to the red door of our backyard. Then he said, Dad, it's back to our place. And then, you know, find the spot. And then he went the 12 steps. Then start digging, digging. Dad, there's really something. Wow, then dig, dig, dig some more. And then pulled out the T-Rex car. Oh, there's really something here. The treasure, we found the treasure. And so the whole day, we were just talking about this great treasure hunt and the treasure that we found. So at night, I realized, okay, maybe I really need to talk to him that, okay, you know, what the real treasure is. So I said to him, Elliot, now remember he's six years old, right? Elliot, you know that's not the real treasure, right? Then he said, I know that. God is our real treasure. And that one, no one can take away. And I was like, wow. 
Now, wouldn't it be great if that's something he really means? And wouldn't it be great if this is something that, that we have can come to see and really mean? That God, God is our real treasure, and, and that treasure no one can take away. But you and I, we always make the mistake, right, of, of, of running, looking for good, looking for treasure at all the wrong places. Right? We run, we run to material things. We, 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 we get deceived by the lie of the world that, that more is better, that more is happiness. We, we, we think that a special relationship will give us that, that good, that happiness. And we, we, we just buy into the lie and, and just forget that the, the only good we have, if you're someone who trusts in Jesus, you have already in God. And so, David shows from his example what it means to trust in God. Is to trust that, that, that He is our good and no other. But he goes on from here to say in verse 3, I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Now, okay, what's happening here? First he says, God, you know, He's my only good. Then he says, my delight is in the, in the saints, in the holy ones. Okay, what's happening here? Okay, so my, my best explanation, okay, the best explanation I can come up with is that, I mean, when you look at some of the Christians that God gives you the privilege to be around, and I, and I must uh, give thanks to God that, that in my life I've seen, you know, some really mature, you know, devoted, single-minded, you know, on fire for Jesus type Christian. And what happens when you, when you, when you look at them, right? If you, if you have some understanding of the Bible, you don't just see them and go, wow, you're so great. You see them and you go, wow, your God is so great. Because you were a rebel. You were a sinner. You were a broken person. And God has taken you and transformed you. And now look at what you are doing in His name. Wow. Your God is so great. And so I think that's what's happening here, you know, of David saying, yeah, I, I take delight in the holy ones and the saints because that, you know, just reminds me to trust in the power of this God who can, who can, who can work such a miracle. Yes, yes, I, I'm so much further away from them, but, but he can take such a broken person and, and, and transform them that they are now this sacrificial, this, this, Loving of others, this Christ exalting. Yeah, he can do that for me. Let me trust this God. Trust Him alone. And then in the next verse, in verse 4, I think he makes a, a clear point. Trusting in no other gods but God. And so he says, those who run after other gods <clears throat> will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Right, clear point, right? I mean, saying, yeah, yeah, no, don't, don't chase after false gods. Don't chase after the idols. I mean, if you do that, your sorrow, your suffering will increase more and more. And so David says, I will not even touch the, the drink offering. I will not even name the names of those false gods. Right, so that's a, that's a principle we see here in Psalm 16. But, I want to draw your attention to a similar one in the New Testament. So if you are a fast flipper, 
Turn to Galatians 6. <coughs> Where Paul in his own way makes the same point in verse 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Right? Again, very clear, right? You know what the problem is? The problem is that even though the principle is so clear back in Psalm 16 and here in Galatians 6, you know what the problem is? The problem is we are tempted to think that the principle doesn't apply to me. Yes, 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 it applies to all these people, you know. But for me, somehow we think I can, I can go on sowing, sowing to the flesh, but somehow reap from the Spirit. Right, do not be deceived, Paul wants us. God is not mocked. You know, you think you can do that? Yeah, God, you know, I can, I can just chase all these things. I can just spend all my energy and prioritize all these things, but then, yeah, yeah, I get, I reap the Spirit. No, no, no. You're mocking God. You're mocking Him. No, God is not mocked. Do not be deceived. You sow to that, you will reap this. That's why, that's why David says, you chase after these false gods. Instead of chasing after the true God. Instead of trusting in the true God and going all in for this true God, you chase after those things, your sorrows will increase. I mean, it looks, it looks, I mean, the false gods, obviously they have this thing to tempt us with, right? It looks, it looks tempting, it looks exciting. But David is saying, just look up and see beyond that a bit. What's behind it? Behind it is sorrow. Behind it is suffering, ever increasing sorrow and suffering. So help us, God, to trust you and pursue you. And David is helping us to pray. And then he goes on in the next section, verses 5 to 8. And it's about trusting in no other gifts but God's. And David says, verse 5, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Now I think what's happening here is, you know, you know that David is king. And you might think, that, oh yeah, of course he's king. He got so much power. He got so much wealth. And obviously he's contented with his lot. Obviously he's happy with what he has. God has given him so much. But, you know, next year we're going to be studying the book of 2 Samuel and we'll actually see you know, David's life as recorded for us in scripture, I think few of us will actually want it. You know, like, I mean, the, the, the sort of trials and tribulations he, the, as a king he has to deal with. I mean, I, I wouldn't want that sort of thing, right? Where I have my sons rebelling against me, this sort of thing. But, but David, I mean, he looks at it all. The good, the bad, the highs, the lows, he looks at it all and he can express a satisfaction, a contentment in what God has given him because he trusts in the good gifts of God. Yes, that's all that has, all that has happened. Yes, I trust in what God has given me. There's a satisfaction, a contentment in what God has given him. And then he draws attention to one specific gift of God. And that's in uh, verse 7. He says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. 
I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With Him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. You see, the, the, the particular gift that he's thanking God for drawing attention to is the gift of God's counsel. That one of God's good gifts to him and to us is that, that God counsels us, God guides us. Isn't that a wonderful gift? Now it's said of Jesus, right, recorded in the Gospels that, that before he chose his twelve disciples, before he chose the, the twelve apostles, he spent the night in prayer. Alright, this is this is our Jesus. I mean, because he was about to make a very important decision. Who would be the twelve, you know, men among all these people who are now following me? Who would be the twelve who would be the apostles, my disciples, who would, you know, walk with him and all that? And before he made that decision, I think the Gospel of Luke tells us he spent the night in prayer. Now, this is what it means to, to trust in this good gift of God guiding us, that, that we know He will guide us. And so, you know, trusting in Him, we go to Him, seeking that counsel. Now, do you know what you can say of someone who, you know, before an important decision, like, you know, whatever. I mean, obviously, none of our decisions are quite as important as, you know, who will be the 12 apostles. I mean, that, 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 that's way up there. But we, you know you have important decisions, right? You know what you can say of the person who, before an important decision, you know, doesn't pray, doesn't really seek the Lord, you can say, here you have a man stronger than Jesus. Because Jesus, before he made an important decision, he sought the Lord the whole night in prayer. So this person who yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know what's good. I've, I've the experience, I, I, I know how things work. He just makes a decision in his own flesh. This is someone, you can say, yeah, here, here is someone stronger than the Lord Jesus. You know, like, I was just talking to Yen Chin uh, during refreshment time and, you know, just making some remark about, you know, whether he can go for Bible study on, on Friday and say, no, no, I can't. My, my work is really too busy. Then he said, maybe I need to change the job. And then I said to him, yes, don't just say it. Don't just say it. I mean, make this, make this an uh, issue. Make this a matter where you are really seeking the Lord about. Is this job, God, something that you want me to remain in? Because it's robbing me, sucking me of all this energy you know, away from my wife, away from church, away from ministry. Is this something that you really want me to be a part of? And, and you know, like, can I trust you? That if I, if I resign from this, God, you will provide, you know, my needs for my family. I mean, you know, can, can, can we, can we really trust God to do that? And not just take it as, no, 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 there's, there's no other way, it's this. Of course, it must be this and it will be this. No, seek the Lord, trust Him, trust Him that He will guide. And so often it just begins with that, that, you know, I, I, I keep my eyes on Him, I, I turn my eyes to Him, right? To him I will look and to him I will say, God, guide me. You know, just, just that. I mean, anyone can pray that, right? But you see, that's just such a, that's a baby step that we can take. And then God will lead us in the next steps forward. But, but I'm, I'm just urging us. 
don't just think something is a done deal. No, yes, the whole world says it must be like that. The whole world says you must remain in this job. The whole world says you'll be crazy and stupid to do this or whatever. But no, be one who trusts in the Lord who says, okay, I keep my eyes on Him. Okay, He is at my right hand. Okay, this God is not just someone that's in the boot. Okay, and when there's an emergency, okay, then I pop the boot open, then He comes to my aid. No, this is a God who is at my right hand. I'm depending on Him. Each step, each major decision, Big, small, whatever. I'm depending on Him. I'm seeking Him. I'm depending on this God to guide me. Do you trust Him like this? He's saying, I can be trusted. I can be trusted like this. Trust me like this. I want to give you counsel. I want to instruct you. And so David has been talking about Trusting in the Lord. And obviously the, the time to trust in the Lord is, is now. Right? Now is the time to trust in the Lord. But David, in the next few verses, casts our eyes to the future, to the end. And so, uh, it's about trusting God to the end. Trusting God with the end. Okay? And so he says in verse 9, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Why? Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. So, so, so David is, because of his trust in the Lord now, he can have a confidence about the end. And so when the end comes for David, David, David has the confidence, yes, yes, I will not be, be thrown to the realm of the dead. Right, so some of your Bibles will have show. Okay, that's what it means, right? Shoal is the place where the dead go. No, no. David says, I will not be thrown there. In, in fact, I will have life. You, O oh God, will give me life. You have made known to me the path of life. But not just life. It's eternal life. It's life with God. How do we know it? Because he says, verse 11, You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So he is obviously talking about not just a life that goes on forever, but a life that qualitatively is so good because it is with God. Okay, now I just want you to think, right? Okay, I mean, Singaporeans are very good at this, right? You weigh up one investment over the other or something, right? I mean, right, just look at this here. What can beat this? Like, okay, what, what sort of, you know, earthly, worldly thing, you know, at a wave of a wand you could wish to have for yourself, and then you can have it, but what could you ever wish for on earth that can beat this? Because you realize what David is saying here, right? That, that God is giving him, what? How much joy? Fill. Which means? 100%. Okay. You know you can't be 100%, right? Okay. So, feel 100% joy. How long? Eternally at his right hand. Filled forever. 100% forever. I mean, nothing can beat that. Right? I mean, we, we are so easily tempted by things that will fill up to 30% and last three minutes. And because of that, forsake the Lord. Or, or, you know, 50% that last 30 years. But here it's talking about 100% forever. I mean, nothing beats this. 
Right? I mean, just, just, just look at it, work it out. I mean, just tell yourself, hey, I mean, God, help me believe this. That this is, this is what is in store for the one who trusts in you. 100% forever. Nothing that you are fighting, you know, being tempted to, to, you know, with right now even compares with this. So this is Psalm 16. I mean, one of my favorite Psalms. And the question is, is it just more, is it more than words? I mean, it's, it's, it's nice poetry and everything, but is it true? Can we actually trust this? Right, I mean, can we actually believe what's written here? Is it just poetry? And I say to you, no. But of course, I'm a preacher, of course, must say no, right? But I tell you why, I tell you why it's no. I tell you why this can be believed. I tell you why this is true. Because, because it has already happened. It has already happened. Yeah, so what is written here has already happened. I hope you realize that when we read Acts chapter 2, responsive reading, Peter, you know, preaching that great sermon on the day of Pentecost, he quotes Psalm 16. He quotes Psalm 16 and he says, it has happened, right? Okay, so turn to Acts chapter 2. Again, if you're a fast flipper. <clears throat> and you see what Peter says in verse 29. Okay, after quoting our psalm from verses 9 to 11, he says in verse 29, okay, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. Okay, I mean, so, you know, after quoting Psalm 16, which everyone knows is a psalm of David, and then he says, you know, here is David saying, yeah, you will not uh, let me go to the realm of the day, you show me, I say, but David died. And then you can imagine some of the pious Jews going, how can you say that? You know, the psalm actually says, da, da, da. and then Peter will go, he died. If you don't believe me, come, let's take a walk. We can go to his tomb and see. There he's, he's dead, he's buried here. Okay, and then David, uh, Peter goes on to say, verse 13, you see what was happening is that he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. And seeing what was to come, he spoke, through Psalm 16, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he, the Messiah, was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So you know why we can trust Psalm 16? Because it has already happened. It was talking about the resurrection of the Messiah, of the Son of God. Now see, how do we know that this Jesus is the Christ, that He is the Son of God. How do we know? The Bible tells us we know because He was raised from the dead. That because He was raised from the dead, that, that this is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. And so because He has accomplished His great work of salvation on the cross. And I'm so thankful that Mark chose songs which, which just reminded us and spelled out for us, you know, what the cross has accomplished. 
and, and his resurrection, him being alive again is that guarantee. Is, 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 is that yes, it is done. What Jesus sought to accomplish on the cross because of the resurrection is the guarantee. It is a certainty that that work is finished. And so for us who will trust in him, it means instead of condemnation and hell, which I deserve, which you deserve, we can now have that certainty of eternal life, of, of, of being filled with joy to the fullness and forever enjoying that with God in his presence. And this is true for anyone Anyone, if, and this is a big if, right? If you're one who has taken refuge in Christ. It's not just for everyone, right? But it's only for you if you are one who has taken refuge in Christ. Now I want to tell you what happened to me when I came back from church camp, right? Just, just got into the house. And got a phone call from one of my church friends, whom I meet occasionally. You know, he's called Alex. And he says, hey, why? Why don't you talk to someone? Pass the phone to Edwin. Okay, now Edwin, I've not seen for 20 years. Okay, I mean, ever since we ROD, you know, ORD, whatever it's called. I, I've just not met him, right? And it was so good to hear his voice again. And um, he asked me where I stay. I said, you know, Toei. And he said, oh, Toei there. Hey, my, my wife just bought the... King Albert Park condo. Like, wow. I mean, you know, you know, the, the big McDonald's that's torn down and now they're building a condo. I mean, I said, oh, you know, Edwin, we're doing really well, you know, to be able to afford that. And so we set a date, uh, to meet up and it was for the 19th lunch. And I was like, wow, oh, perfect. Okay. You know why? Because 19th morning, few of us were here with balloons, with 100 kids down here for the Cherry Hearts Christmas thing. So it was perfect, right? After this whole thing is done, I just pop over to Heartland Mall, uh, meet them 1.30 for lunch. Okay, so on that day, you know, finish up here, it was raining, I made my way to Heartland Mall, my shoes were wet. And then I realized, eh, how come, I mean, you know the, the WhatsApp group, whenever, you know, you have this meeting, someone will the day before say, eh, okay, we're meeting 1.30 tomorrow, don't forget, see you, see you, right? But then nobody, nobody SMS. Then of course I was too busy, right, preparing for, for, for the 19th morning. So anyway, I got there, got a table for us, and then I texted, okay, I'm already in Hanshik Korean restaurant. Okay, which, you know, if you enjoy Korean, that's one of the places to go, right? Uh, and then, okay, five minutes later, Michael comes. Okay, so Michael is, uh, one year younger than us. And like, I've not seen him for a few years as well. So, oh, it's good catching up with him. He's gonna have a baby soon, and sort of thing. And then, ten minutes later, Alex comes. So Alex comes, he just sits down, and he says, okay, I'm hungry. Let's order. And I go, eh, what about Edwin? They say, ah, okay, get over it. Uh, he will come. Just, just order first. Right, I'm hungry. So, okay. So I just tell them, you know, what are my favorite dishes in Handshake, you know, make the recommendation. And then we order and then we start eating. And then halfway through, yes, Edwin still hasn't showed up. So I say, eh, what's happened to him? Then Alex goes, ah, you know, the last time he didn't respond to his SMS, he had appendicitis and was hospitalized. Okay. So, okay. Anyway, so we just keep eating. And we eat until handshake closes, alright, which is 3 p.m. And then we adjourn downstairs to a toast box for coffee. Uh, and then Edwin still hasn't showed up. 
And then uh, Alex tells us, oh, okay, he told me that he's going to IRAS in the morning, settle some issues. So Michael goes, ah, go IRAS, I surely can I in trouble there, can I detain there or something. Okay, so anyway, we're having coffee and I'm catching up with Michael. Then Alex gets a call. And then after the call, and I can still remember this, right? He, he puts his hand on the, the chair and he's like that. And he said, Edwin had an accident this morning and he's passed away. And I went, what did you say? And then he repeated it and then Michael is like, what, 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 what's happening here? What's happening here? And then you can, I mean, of all the things of, you know, like, why is he not answering? I mean, you think appendicitis or you, you think, you know, irons, but you never think. Right? You never think that it's because God has said, time up. That was your last breath. And so, I mean, I just spent the whole day. I mean, I, I went to the wake at night. I mean, we are the same age. I got two kids, and, you know, I got three, and then I'm like, you know, this could happen to me too. And you know what? This could happen to you too. Right? I mean, you know death is around, right? You know people die, right? What makes you think you have another 20, 30, 40 years? Right, I, 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 this could be the last time I see you. You realize that? You know that, right? I mean, like, I'm, this could be the last time I see you, Desmond. Right? I mean, don't laugh. Don't, why? Why laugh? It could be, that's what it was for Edwin. I did not get a chance to see him. You know why I was looking forward to seeing him? Because I know he's not a Christian. So Alex, I know Michael I was thankful uh, to know, okay, last six years he became a Christian, but I was looking forward to meeting Edwin. While I was waiting for them, I was praying, reading my Bible, because 20 years ago when we were, when we were in NS together, I did not have the bonus. I didn't know my Bible really well. I didn't tell him about Jesus. But now, I'm a, I'm a bit more bold. I, I know my Bible better. I was looking forward, right, to telling him about Jesus. Obviously, I didn't get the chance. And so, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful in one sense for, for this reminder from God. Right? Not, not, to, not to think that I'll always have another opportunity with, with my kids, with you guys. And so, so okay, I, I don't care if I offend any of you. Okay, but I want to say, I want to ask, are you for real? Are you for real when it comes to this? Or, or, I mean, you, 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 obviously here you are at church, you know, you show up for this, you know, some of you are involved in things, but, but is it all just a game? Like when it comes to trusting in the Lord, is there more evidence than you just being here, you know? You're here on Sunday, that's good, that's great. But, but, you know, if you look at your life, if someone else were to look at your life, you know, would they really see evidence that you are someone who trusts in the Lord, that this, this God is your only good, that, that you, you are, you know, yes, you're, you get, you get distracted, we all get distracted, you get tempted, we all get tempted, but, but that, that there is a, a focus, there is a pursuit of this God, there is a, there is a running after this God, there is a trusting of this God, that this God really is a big deal for you. Are you for real? Or is it just a game? Do you really trust this God? I mean, like, you know, David, 
trusting God to guide him. I mean, what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Is it to go to this God in his word for wisdom, for counsel, for, 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 for strength? Or is what is at your right hand this? The first thing you look at is what the world wants to tell you. I mean, do you really trust this God? That, that, that this, here, he's spoken to us. That, his, that this is the word of God. He wants to guide us. He wants to give us life. He wants to give us wisdom. Is this what can be said of you? Now, there may be some of you here who, I mean, you've, you've never pretended to be Christian. Okay. And, and, you know, that's, that's, that's all right. That's good. And I'm, I'm thankful that you've chosen to spend this time with us. And so, <clears throat> if, if that's you, you know, you've never pretended to be Christian, you know, okay, that, that's fine. But I want to urge you. And just like yesterday, I was at a wedding dinner, you know, like three quarters of the people I didn't know. But halfway through the meal, I wanted to talk to them about Jesus. Because I, I know I may never see them again. And so, wherever you are at in that journey, I just want to urge you, you know, please don't fill your minds with what other people, what the media is saying about God, about this book. Alright, do yourself a favor, open this book yourself and read it for yourself with, with as an objective and as open a mind as possible. I mean, just see for yourself. No one is trying to force you to do anything that you don't want to do, but just see for yourself what this is really saying, whether this God is true or not, whether what he's done in Christ really happened or not. But the point is, see for yourself. I mean, some of us, we spend more time researching which handphone model to buy. Now, this is way more important than that. So I'm just urging you, wherever you're at, please take a step forward, see for yourself. But the rest of us, you, know, you tell people you're Christian and, and all that, are you for real? Have you really trusted in this God and what He has done for us in His Son? That, 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 that the Son He sent actually died on the cross bearing your sin, all your guilt, all your rebellion, and now he is alive. He's not just alive, but he's at God's right hand and he's reigning. And, 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 and do you see that? And is your trust in that? Now, I'm not saying, trying to come across that, you know, I'm, I, I perfectly trust the Lord, this and that. No, no, I don't. Okay, in fact, one of the things that I, I regularly pray for myself is God give me faith. Help me me to see your word and really believe every word. I mean, so many times it's just, okay, yeah, these are the way things is done in church. I just go along with that. No, no, but help me to believe what is really said here, what I see here. I struggle with that. But you know what? If and when I die, I have the confidence that when my eyes open again and there before me is my judge, my creator, my maker, that because I have trusted in Christ, because I have sought refuge in Him, the most important thing at that point is already settled. I am in the right with this God. You see, when, when my friend Edwin said, you know, he just bought a condo in uh, King Albert Park, 
right? Part of me I was, oh, wow, envious, wow, you know. But you think any of that matters to him now? What car he's driving, what grades he got in school, and you know how many watches he has. No, the only thing that matters to Edwin now, the only thing that will matter for you and I, when that time comes for us. Like it or not, we have to face up to this God who has made us, who has given us life, who now the last 30 minutes you are alive because He gives you life. We will appear before Him and we will have to give an account. Will you be standing there alone? Or will Jesus be at your right hand? And you have found refuge in Him. And so you are confident, not because of anything you've done, but because, yes, before me at my right hand is the Son of God who has taken my sin. He bled. He died for me. All my sins washed away by His blood. And yes, I'll be invited in to this God where this God will say, come, come. Why? Come. Okay. Here, prepare to be filled Filled to the, to the brim to 100% of joy and prepare to enjoy this for all eternity. Is that you? God, help us to trust you. Amen.